welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What is going on, fam? Welcome back to Value Adds Value. This is Kyle Krieger. Great to be back with you um, for the second to last episode of 2020. What a great year it's been for the podcast. And we uh, couldn't have thought of a better way to uh, round out the year than with Principal Raw. Um, the second part of the conversation we dropped uh, last week, just talking about sacred knowledge and and teachers versus educators responding to trauma, the terms debate and discourse. It was just such a, a fulfilling conversation that we're still trying to process it ourselves. So we hope you enjoy it. Um, we hope you have a great holiday season and we hope that as you listen to it, you're relaxing, getting yourself back in shape to hit the ground running in 2021. So thank you so much for all your support of the podcast and uh, enjoy this last episode uh, or interview episode, second to last episode of Value Adds Value podcast. That's just facts. If you don't have a vision for yourself, right? The system, I tell you right now, the system has a vision for a lot of black and brown children. I can tell you that right now. Because if they didn't have a vision for it at third and fourth grade, they wouldn't be talking about building prison cells. Right? So in your community, you got to ask, what is the vision in which, what is our mission and what is our vision? What are our values of the community? Right? And these, and that's why I go back to these, the, the seven principles of faith, unity, vision, all creativity, all these things come together. So in your situation, you know, uh, you, you, you ask yourself, and it's a tricky, man, because like I told you, it goes back to my wife be like, man, just go and leave. And let, it's so much easier to just go and say, look, I'm about to find me a space. It's so much easier to do that, right? Um, but like, let's say you make a decision. You're like, yo, I want to try to change the circumstances of my community, right? And yes, there's an evolutionary process with it. Like that's going to naturally happen. A podcast like this, talking with one teacher, one teacher becomes 10 teachers, 10 teachers become 100, 100 become 1,000 with having the same ideology. And now you're talking about setting a group, that first follower mentality. And, you know, you just, you just grow. That's, a, that's an evolutionary process. And I think this one, this one guy said it. He said, you can turn around overnight, but it doesn't mean it's going to turn around overnight. Right? Like tomorrow you can wake up, Kyle, and say, you know what? I'm going to start a freaking group on Facebook that's going to just bring people in the community together to talk about what are our values and try to talk like you turn something around overnight and you got 50 people that you're communicating with to talk about just where we're going. Does that mean that you're going to walk out and you're not going to hear a racist comment said in the community? No, it doesn't mean that, but it means that you turn something around and you're, you're starting something and that's revolutionary. Like that's an immediate impact. So those are the things that I kind of just talk about um, with knowing like yourself and knowing yourself in context of the world. Yeah, I mean, and it just, and I think it's a combination of, you know, like you said, being a kid, 
not being privy to the way things were and really just, and I know it's a circumstance of the world we live in now that the Facebook, especially Facebook has become, you know, the place where a lot of this happens and people who I grew up idolizing who I loved are now insulting every single person in the community that doesn't agree with them. Yep. There's no, there's nobody coming together to talk about, you know, and, and granted like masks is a super easy one to go at. It's a super divisive issue, but you know, there are people there that just refuse to wear masks. Yeah. There are people there that, you know, and, and the thing about it is you can't even have a conversation about it. That's the key idea. You, you couldn't have a conversation that just said, Hey, for the betterment of our community and for our kids, it's, you know, from a teacher's perspective, we're going to wear masks when we're out. Yeah. But I mean, there are people there that are, are kind of doing whatever. And I don't want to get into an argument over the science or, or whatever it is. But the thing that strikes me is a community that has been so tight knit, you know, like so many, I felt like it was just such a great place to grow up. I, I, I wonder what the kids in the schools are getting. Cause the kids in the schools aren't, I, I mean, I knew one black person before I went to college mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that's, I'm assuming still the way it is. Yeah. And, and I guess to ask a follow-up and I've talked to Wilkie about this because I, you know, in my community and, and, you know, the culture that I grew up in, in my university, they said, if you really want to make a difference, go to an urban school. Mm-hmm. And, and I bought into that because I'm like, oh, these kids are underprivileged. They're this or that or the other. But I do wonder if my experience would be at times better served in a predominantly white school to share that experience because I don't think a lot of people, especially where I live now around the Twin Cities, have that experience. Absolutely. You know, I think it's it's a it's a it's a paradox. I think it'd be it would be really interesting to like I don't know if it's a movie or a book where it just has a a a, a switch, like all the urban social justice big teachers, they're at predominantly white suburb schools, and all those in, those educators are now in the urban urban city like what will happen to the education so what will happen to the world right in regards to that and i think what's important like with what you said is um and i tell people all the time too like not only is sacred knowledge important for students of color and so i would say it's even more important for white students the reason the reason i say that is uh we are still in a system in which um, many of the access points, oh, I don't call it a power, I say access points, many of the access points to, to wealth in this country is still predominantly uh, monopolized, capitalized uh, by white institutions. That, that's, just a, that's just the reality, right? So that means that, you know, when you look at the supervisors, managers of many access points, they are predominantly white men predominantly. That means that an ideology at access points is really critical for young students of color. And if you look at the history of these men that are at these access points, 
They do not come from urban or culturally diverse schools. So that means, and correct me if I'm wrong, majority of the access who has the power to really shift things are predominantly getting, getting their schooling and education from institutions that you just described that are not, they're living in a bubble, right? They're not, they're not talking about Tulsa Ogo. They're not talking about sacred knowledge. They're not talking about the, the, the real issues. They're like, hey, you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of thing, right? So that's why I say that, you know what I mean? Because it's important for our young kings and queens that come from areas in which I come from to know themselves. But it's even more importantly for me, until those access points change, for, for, it, for those people to understand like the realities in which we exist. Like everybody in the last two months during the pandemic, March, April, May, they have learned, they learned so much American history in like two weeks than they did their whole public education experience. On Instagram, they're like, wow, I did not know this. I did not know that. I did not know this institute. I did not, they, I don't know if you guys seen it. It was just like, oh, yeah. I didn't know about Black Wall Street. Oh my God, I didn't know about, like, you didn't know about this? <laughs> Right, yeah. and that's like that's power. Now you have CEOs that's like take. I think this was it. The CEO of uh, Reddit, I think it was Reddit, said like, "Hey, I'm stepping down. I think a black CEO should take take it take the helm." But then I go back and I say this: representation is valuable, but consciousness is priceless. You know what I'm saying? And the consciousness that I think for communities of color and, and predominantly white communities, uh, I feel is, is really needed uh, for the conversation and the realities in which we exist in. Wow, yeah. As you would say, that's a lot to unpack there. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, but again, I think that a lot of the issues we face is because a lot of people are willing to say, Let's sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. But there are very few organizations or individuals who are willing to say, now let's actualize yep. these conversations. Yeah. And I think, again, it, it, it begs the question, are we really trying to create this melting pot? Or do we still want the kind of the oil and water that you get that separation when you yeah. mix the two naturally? Or yeah. are we trying to mix it all in to where everybody gets to gets where, where they're supposed to be? You know, yeah. and that but that speaks again what we started talking about at the beginning is that that idea uh, of inequality and inequity that, that goes on and takes place within our communities. And again, you're set up, it's set up that way, but the question becomes now what do we do to change that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, I believe it's going to have to come through an educator. I 100% I, I believe that the more educators move and branch out and become voices for our community. Because, yeah. again, Kyle and I always say, as educators, we make up 1% of the society in America. Yep. 1%. And we literally have our hands on the whole 99. Yep. So if you're going to have anybody in a position that's going to make decisions for the 99, it should at least be the individuals you've already entrusted yeah. to yeah. guide the, you know, the guide the 99. Yeah. 
I mean, that's I mean, that's why I think that's why we have standardized conditions is because, you know, public education understands the value of education and the value and the tool that school see school is used as a tool to reinforce education. So they understand the power of education. That's why they omit a lot of different things within the curriculum of education. Right. Like J. Cole said it. One thing about the man that's controlling the pen that write history they always seem to white out their sins, right? And when you think about education, it's like, yo, you go through and it's like a lot of the sins are whiting out, right? And we could provide you and, and try to conform and try to all these type of things. And I agree. And I would say like an educator, because I always distinguish the difference between a teacher and an educator. Like for me, I'm an educator. I, I call myself a revolutionary educator. Is although I'm a I, I'm a principal, I'm an educator. An educator can I can educate you on a block. I can educate you through Zoom. I can give you the educator through text. I can educate you through WhatsApp. Like I'm an educator. I never a teacher is. They just stop teaching. They just teach in the classroom. Right, like I'm. I, this the once the once that day stops, I'm no longer a teacher. I become who I am. Like I am an educator, right? And I believe in what you said. Like an educator can change this, but I also believe that it is going to take public and private partnership. It's going to take inside outside work. It's going to take a lot in regards of like. And I tell people like school districts, like they understand trauma, or they say that they understand trauma. Mm -hmm. They may recognize trauma. That's why many schools probably get that one PD around trauma once a year or something like that. But most schools fail to respond to trauma, right? They, re they fail to execute responding to trauma, and which goes back to ask the, the, the first question is, did you truly understand it? Because I'm a believer that the evidence of consciousness is through application. You know what I mean? So if you say that you are aware and say that you are, are knowledgeable, then the evidence of that is through application. If you don't apply it to me, you don't, you don't, you're not conscious. You know what I mean? Like, that's just my belief. Some people are opposed to it. Like, it's like, you gotta, you, like, you're gonna have to take discipline. It's gonna take discipline. It's gonna take all these different things. So is it, a, is it a marathon? Absolutely. But your evidence of consciousness is through application. And I mean, if we sit here and say that we need to change education, I can't, I can't say that I'm conscious of the changes without trying to change it. I mean, I'm not conscious. That means, yeah, I might be aware. You know what I mean? In my, in being complicit, is a form of not being conscious in my opinion right you know there's a problem you know the you know there's a discomfort you know you just you're just not aware enough to say i need to go fix it or i agree or you decide that it's too it's not it's not what you want right because it's like a lot of people go through life like or they were going through life pre uh this current administration like this like blinders on to the injustices, the racial injustices. And it was just like, all right, look. But this current administration forced a lot of people to 
see, see things that they never seen before. The pandemic, all these different things had made them see things. And now it's like, you can't unsee that now. I see you put that black box on. No, I'm not going to, no, you can't unsee, you, no. Like I'm not now. I'm gonna tap your shoulder and call you in. Like in our, but shout outs to the, the the community. Like we call you in. We gonna call you in on that. You know what I mean? And I think you you said some Kyle too that you know. Sometimes we can ostracize people, especially the youth during this council culture and stuff like that. Where I think it's important to now like call in and hold people. There's a way to hold people accountable because see a lot of people say that they want to educate young people to be critical thinkers until it challenges their, their, their train of thought, right? Like I am all for everybody. Like we, we, people say, hey, this is America. You are, you should have your thoughts. You should independent thinkers. We need to create ind how many schools, you know, have a independent critical thinkers, right? They say all that until it opposes your views. So what I say, like for me, it's like, no, let's have these conversations. That that's growth. But many people can't have those conversations, right? Because, because it's so emotionally connected and emotional regulation. I have a book right here. Emotional intelligence, right? Emotional intelligence. Emotional regulation is something that is really challenging for a lot of people. Like they quick to they quick to have an emotional trigger. And if you hear something political, it's, oh, now I don't want to hear nothing. I'm counseling you out. Like, even people, like, I know, like I said, could you have a conversation with somebody that was, that just totally disagreed or had a different, like, just to have a discourse? Because there's a difference between a debate and discourse. The debate is I'm trying to, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm a lion. I'm trying to rip everything you said. I'm trying to, but a discourse, it takes listening and understanding, right? So are you willing to listen to me? Or am I willing to listen to you? Let's have a discourse. And I think majority, our school, we don't have those. We, we try to do out of sight, out of mind. If we don't talk about racism in our schools, guess what? We don't have to deal with it. And it doesn't exist in our school. What you no, it exists. <laughs> you just you just are trying to hide it. Like like it's like a kid that's saying like, oh, you know, uh, when I was younger, I want to get outside real quick. I'm like, clean up your room. I throw everything under my bed, or I put everything. I try to hide. Does that change the fact that that chip bag is still under my pillow? <laughs> that chip bag is still there. You may not be able to see it, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. So you not talking about racism at your school doesn't mean that it's not there. So I think like having these conversations, I think is rich in dialogue. And I think that instead of hiding it, I think we should be challenged. And I think that that little, that inner self where you feel like, oh, it needs to happen more, even if for us as educators. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break from this episode of the Value Adds Value podcast to just say thank you um, for listening and for all the support. And if you've listened this far, we would love it if you could hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave a review, or jump over and find us on Instagram at valueaddsvalue at its.will.law.iii and at its Kyle Krieger. Um, we would love to connect with you there, learn more about you and how we can help you in your teaching craft and your teaching practice. So find us on Instagram, like and subscribe, and also 
take a second to find us on YouTube at Value Adds Value as well. So just a way for us to connect with you, serve you better, and help you in this profession that we all love. So thank you, and we'll get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't definitely, education definitely needs a, 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 a true liberation at this point. And I think that, I think COVID-19 was just the right instigator to get the ball rolling if everybody now takes the reins and start to allow students that adaptation time. Constantly evolve yourself so that you're, you're steps ahead of them as they're evolving, because once they start evolving, they're going to evolve at a pace that we have never seen before. Yeah. And because you think about it, Kyle and I always talk about how just because they're digital natives doesn't mean that they're digital learners. Yep. But what happens is when we give them that right grace period and teach them how to navigate this, this, this digital space as it relates to their learning, I think their evolutionary track is going to if we're not if we're not conscious, it's yeah. going to overtake us, and they're going to be beyond what we what we're wanting them to be, because just because of the nature, they're younger, they're going to explore more by birth by nature, they're explorers. Yeah, you know, that, that's, so, it. that's it. Right, and so like I can say I think I think it's 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 the right time to be in education, and to be teaching our kids. But do you uh, think it's possible? Do you think that's possible with a with like for me, and, and please like challenge it. Like, do you think that that's possible? Because from out here in California, it's like for the most part, like that creator, that explorer is conformed to like a predictor assessment. Like most educators, their success and principles are like indicated by data on a test score. And the test score is a, 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 a norm reference test score not a criterion reference, right? Like that norm reference test score by the state, like out here, it's like everything is geared towards that. Like reading, like you have your criterion, like reading, math, criterion, cool, teacher made, like whatever the school made, like we want to get you at a certain level, boom, cool. Got it, well you can understand that. But then when you have the norm reference, that is not a predictor for access. SAT, ACT, your state test was uh, out here, it's 11th grade. That's when it starts, the, the high stakes norm reference test is a ceiling, a ceiling for many educators that limits what we are talking about. So my question is, I've never operated in a space that was unlimited as an educator. So what if, like, my, my question is, what if we reimagined, like, or reimagined uh, uh, success measurements? Well, like, 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 because my thing is, like, as a principal, I'm, I'm playing within the game, like, right? I got to play within this game. Like, data, like, that matters. But, like, just, just personal. Did you guys score great on standardized tests? I was average. I don't even. I I, I, I fared pretty well. I fared pretty well on it. And but my I, approach was different. <laughs> you know what I mean? My approach was different than most teachers. Most teachers approached it as, 
I know what the test is going to hold, so I need to teach them the test. what's on the test. Or not so much what's on the test, I'm going to teach them to make sure that they can pass the test. I, I, I tell people all the time that in our cities, in our schools, we need to, like, we are, we're one of the, in education in urban schools, we tell our teachers, don't teach to the test. Right. Don't, don't teach to the test. Where in, in suburban schools, they have a, they have a tutor all the way teaching them everything that's on a test and they're teaching to the test. Mm-hmm. Like in, in football, like I play ball. Well, it was time for you that you knew you had the 40, you trained for the 40. You knew you had to do your bench press, you trained for the bench press. You knew you was gonna have to squat, so you squat. You know what's on the test and you prepare for it. Right? You know what's on that driver's test. You prepare for it. Why is it that in ur- mainly urban schools, oh man, don't teach. Don't teach them. Because it's an indicator for the access points. You know, and it's funny you say that because I remember my, uh, a few years ago, I was a, I was a new classroom teacher. Uh, I was, I'd always been an inclusion teacher in my very beginning. So I always had a co-teach with me. So I never really was the teacher of record. And once I got my own classroom, I remember that one of the first lessons I got, and it was like my class took the middle of the year. So it's Jan- December, and when I get my kids, this new class, so the very first lessons that I taught them going out is lessons on how to think, mm-hmm. lessons on how to problem solve. Nothing dealing with, I mean, we looked at third grade problems and analyzed what, is the, what are they trying to teach us in this third grade problem? Now, what are they asking us to, 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 to do on our own? Yeah. Unpacking those little bitty things so that when we got to teaching sixth grade content, all I had to do was literally say, open up your books. Here's an example. I'm going to show you how to do it. If you have questions, let me know. Those kids excelled because they knew how to think. Mm-hmm. I was condemned. I said that I was told you, you can't spend that much time teaching kids how to problem solve. You, you can't spend that. I said, if I'm going to teach them anything, I'd rather teach them how to m- manipulate these numbers through a real world problem. So like, that's my that's my point right there. So do you feel that you could have solved, like you could have got that feeling like, man, I taught my students how to critically think without the standardized test? Absolutely. So like that, so like my question is then what what is it like what is this what is because I've met educators that don't know what to do if they didn't have that test hanging over their head. They and that's because that's their nature. <laughs> That's their metric. That's what they look at and say, I want to be the high scoring teacher. I want to have the most, as you said earlier, and this is one of the, I, I love Maslow, is that I want to have the most self-actualized kids when they leave my room. Yep. Yep. I want them to leave my, cl- my sixth grade math class ready for high school. Yep. And that's that's how we measure. That's how we measure at our school, right? We measure off of what we call presentations of learning. Right. So like every ninth grade at my stu- every ninth grade student at, at our school, they like they have created their own website. Right. So all my ninth grade, every student at my school, take that back, have created their own website. And on their website, uh, for ninth grade, they're talking about they have their about me page, then they have their each each click on the website is their classes. So similar to like 
a, a Shopify account, you'd be like, oh, I want to see the t-shirt collection, the feature code. They have it like that. So now you'd be like, hey, ninth grade, you talk about Spanish, you talk about life, and then they present their website to the community, right? And they talk about, this is what I learned this year. I learned this from Spanish. Like, this is what I learned, and this is how it impacted me as a student in my ninth grade year. I, this is what I learned from algebra, and this is the skills in which I could apply it to my life right now. So they do that, and then the community grades them to say, I'm ready for now 10th grade. 10th grade, they do it the same thing. Now I'm ready for 11th. And now each year, their website is getting more comprehensive, right? So now, and when they're a senior, they're talking about their journey, back to the alchemist, from 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and not to college, but to the world, right? And that's how we measure if you are self-actualized right. to hopefully become community actualized. Mm -hmm. So that, that to me is a model that I feel that more schools should have. Right. And you said something with that whole, um, there, once they get to the 12th grade, it's based on now your journey to your journey out into the world now. Yes. And if, college just happens to be along your journey yes if college just happens to be your path that you're taking then you're able and you're ready to go there and you're ready to tackle it yes you can say you know i just told somebody today i say we're not we're not bringing up the new mechanics in the neighborhood we're not yeah. bringing up the new you know some i mean most of our neighborhoods in the, in the black community urban communities here we don't have big chain grocery stores hmm. Come on, talk about so it. We, we don't have a Walmart, you know, in my in my wife's family, parents' community. They don't have an ATB. You know, there's not a there's not a, a Randall's or Kroger. You know, it's it's a couple of little mom and pop spots, you know, with with, with poor quality, overpriced food. Mm -hmm. And we'll be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you want it, good food, good quality food at better prices, you gotta leave the community, which mm -hmm. means now your dollars where you live are going out to support somewhere else where you don't. And what you tied to, right, is now, and see, when you become self-actualized and, and we understand macroeconomics, right, we understand now the industry in which we are operating in. Like, why is it that the money that is geared towards these big conglomerate chains are easily transactional where we're trying to now uplift a, a, a black business or to be that it is very difficult like and i tell people there's a difference between like black spending power and a black economy oh. right like like and that's why i say like community actualization will now get you to start asking like well see we deprive ourselves of the businesses. We deprive ourselves of the skills to have those communities in which we talked about that makes us now have to, nobody has the skills to be the mechanic in the neighborhood because once, once grandpa passed away, those like everybody was focused on trying to get out of the community. So guess what? Now you have a savior complex that can come in, right? Establish your business, establish that Jiffy Lube, you know, establish that that Walmart and everybody's happy 
And then now is black spending, brown spending, and there is no economy that cycles the dollar to be back in the community. Because the skills in which we, we needed to, there isn't that farm and there isn't that produce that is grown in the community. So guess what? They're going to say, you got to get it shipped in. Because nobody took, the, nobody, nobody valued where they, you know, so you don't have a vision for your, your community. Somebody else will, and they will monopolize and capitalize and destroy it. And not destroy it, but just say like, hey, this is ours. Right? And that's where I come from. Like, you know what I mean? I'm the person that's like, why, why aren't we trying to develop more, you know, just a free world competition? There should be more than just Walmart and Target. You know what I mean? There should be more. Why haven't we built more institutions, no more colleges in areas? You know what I mean? Because let's, the conglomerates block the access points. You know what I mean? So, like I said, like I mean, it's deep, man. I know, but that's that's stuff I go into in my book. You know what I mean? But um, like we work hard to decriminalize. Why? other systems work hard to monopolize and capitalize. And I think like those conversations must be held. Like, why do we only have economy? Uh, I don't know about there in California, econ is a semester. Yeah, out here too. All right, I think it's federal. Like econ is a semester. Well, why is it black, uh, uh, black studies is an elective for a semester? You can't, I don't, I don't think there are a lot of schools by me that you can even get that. It's an elect, and econ, should be embedded in, in math throughout. You know what I'm saying? So the, because it's because we want to, if we provide you with what is really happening, you may be, you may, young people may get the actual tools to actually change some things. And they don't want that to happen. So that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the reality. You know what I mean? Do you want to, um, I'm, I'm looking at the time and we're, uh, we're, we're, as I suspected, we didn't really ask any of the questions, which is fine. <laughs> we will, we'll have to have you back on over the holiday break. But we do want you to, uh, you just referenced it a minute ago, talk a little bit about re revolutionary school culture. You know, what, what, what inspired it? You know, what you hope students get out of it to make sure that people know what's available. Yeah, you know, um, really it's also my journey through education. So Revolutionary School Culture, uh, it, it is set to come out uh, March March 5th, 2021. Uh, it's available for pre-order right now uh, through my website, revolutionaryeducator.com. It will be available through Amazon. I believe they gave me an email that it should be available for pre-order starting in January. Um, available for, for pre-order there. But the journey is... Uh, the six principles of unlocking the school's hidden treasure. Uh, the hidden treasure is tied to the alchemist. If you read the alchemist, you would know the hidden treasures of life. But um, every, every school has hidden treasures amongst their young people. Um, and some schools across the country are doing really great things around unlocking uh, the brilliance of young people. And uh, I felt that our school, we've done a great job with unlocking the brilliance of our young people by having some six principles of like really having a clear vision. Uh, so through revolutionary education is really what you're going to get out of it. If you're an aspiring leader, an educator, um, a district leader, somebody who just want to make a change in education, you're going to get practical strategies on how to make an immediate impact at your school site, period. Like 
is six is six overarching principles, but within it, I have uh, obstacles that you must overcome, sacred knowledge, um, uh, just just some key prerequisites before you embark on a journey of revolutionizing the educational experience at your at your school. And this notion of revolutionizing is a positive, immediate impact. So you're going to get practical strategies that's going to really just uplift young people, get you fired up, get you booming at your school site. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the project. The reason why I did it is because I'm not that scholar. Like, I, you know, people always say, you know, we look for all these uh, doctorates, this, that, and the third to try to um, solve our community issues. And I believe that community-centered problems need to center the community for the solutions. And, you know, I don't need that doctorate from Columbia or Harvard to come and save us. Like, no, this is this who I am. I'm not no doctorate from such and such. I'm that street intellectual. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm that neighborhood scholar. And I think too much of the validation um, coming from whoever, you know, feels that they can solve practical problems. Like, listen, all the researchers have been saying that we've been trying to close this academic gap in California, for at least, for the last 30 years, especially when it comes to black boys in education. You wanna know what happened over the last 30 years out here? Is actually, the academic gap that they say has actually grown. So if it's grown, that means we doing something wrong, <laughs> right? Like this in, in my opinion. So that's what made me be like, well, I'm just gonna write my story and my, my, my truth. And you, you know, this ain't no, full research type of book. This is just straight from the hip off of like, yo, this is what it is. You know what I mean? And this is what I'm doing and take it or leave it. And I think it's, uh, you know, I got, I got some endorsements from people that really liked it. You know what I mean? Some of those researchers I, I'm critical of, they, they love the book. So we'll see where it goes. Love that. All right, Will, any, uh, any last follow-ups before I have you knock out the last couple of questions? Like I said, I, I, I mean, we could spend all day with you, but I'm sure you've got stuff going and I know we've got stuff going and we, we, I'm, it's going to take me a week to download everything you said. I'm going to have to watch this thing like three or four times before I put it out just to make sure that I got everything. But yeah. And it, you know, it's crazy because I missed the first one and, 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 and I told Kyle, I was like, man, we, I, I have to be back in the building when, whenever we get you back on again, because I, I follow you, and, and I, I I admire your approach to a community-centered school. Um, I'm one of the teachers who actually live in the community that I teach in. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I go to even a restaurant where my students go. You know, my students work. Some of my former students are working now in the fast food restaurants. You know, getting yeah. jobs. You know that that I taught, and I'm seeing them every you know all the time, and I see now how how much of an impact I've had from the kids in the neighborhood now for the last three years, knowing, oh, that's Mr. Law. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I initially was a little nervous because you know, when, when, you, are, when you are a revolutionary, everybody's not going to, to see what your vision eye to eye with you. Yep. And there's gonna be that dissonance. Um, but even kids who I've had dissonance with, you know, they, they've come to respect the fact that I'm always 100 on 100 yep. because at the end of the day, I live here. So I'm not telling you that I want you to be a certain way in you as you're going through the community because I'm yep. here looking. And so I've been following some, man, I, I just want to say, man, you, you, you feel my quiver today. <laughs> uh, 
I went and taught a PD before this, and I, I, I was teaching a group of um, um, teachers at, a, at, a, at an early childhood center that yeah. we Kyle and I uh, kind of adopted as our, our pilot to kind of take our strategies for teaching classroom teachers in the public schools to now mm -hmm. let's start applying this to infants and this this pre preschool age kids so that we can start impacting earlier yeah prior to getting into the classroom nice uh, you know and so i was doing that and you know after you present you know i felt kind of depleted you know i was a little tired and just having this conversation and jotting these notes man you you shot so many rays of light into me uh that that i really do man i want to say thank you thank you thank oh, you man, for thanks. As Pharrell would say, thank you for existing. Oh, thank, you, thank, you. <laughs> thank you guys, man. Just on a journey, man, and just just elevating and anything that you know you need anytime, Kyle. You know, you tap you can tap me in, man, off of anything you guys need to elevate what you guys haven't have going on, man. And um please, please use me as a vessel. I appreciate this what you guys represent. Um, you know, I'm, I'm embarking on a journey to open up my own independent school now. I've founded my own high school out here in LAUSD, but now, you know, um, I, wanted, I want to, I've created a great school. Now uh, I want to create an ecosystem. Um, so, and that's, that's fundamentally different, um, which I found. So I just want to thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you guys. Um, and shoot, let the marathon continue. Absolutely. So last two last two questions I want to get that we kind of have to I want to just really get your intake on. If you could share a message with every student in the country, every student, one message that you know that they would see as they're running this journey, this marathon through their educational quest and through life, what would that message on that billboard be that you would want the kids to see? Man, I think I got it on my. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, like one is uh, change the world, you know, change the world. Don't let the world change you, man. And I like, I really live by that uh, because, you know, you be, be, be you. I said a young person, be you. You can be that person. Why not you? You know, why not? Why not be that person that changes the world? Like, you know, so it's changed the world. Don't let the world change you. And the second one, and I, I want to say this, because I think you said two messages. The second one would be, and I don't want it to be correlated with like uh, military persons, because I know people get all when you use in the war, but I would say this, um, you may not feel that you are at war, but you are definitely in a war. And what I mean by that is, see, education, is battling over attention, time, and what you consume. Social media right now, if you've seen the social dilemma, they're fighting for your attention. It's a war going on for your attention. There is a battle going on for what you should learn in school. There is a battle going on to keep information from you so you can just be a consumer and not a producer. So you may not feel that you are literally at war. When I say war, I'm not talking about guns and going to war. But there is a war over the mind. There is a war over the consumption. There is a war over the production. There is a war that's going on in regards of, of liberating you through what you should know, right? So um, by knowing that, 
You have to now become the seeker of knowledge and truth. And that that will ultimately be your liberation. Wow. Mm. At war, but you're in a war. Mm. You know, I, 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 I remember I preached a message one time, said that the battlefield is the mind. Yeah. And, and when I wrote it, 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 the scripture that says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've, because of all this, the, the traffic, <laughs> you know, to, to our young people's minds and the things that they have access to that, that's so meaningless, our job is to give them, show them the meaningfulness in being able to understand what they're seeing. Don't just sing a song because it's catchy. Understand what you're saying and make sure that what you're saying are things you're willing to back up. Yep. You know, um, and I think it's so tragic even with so many of the young talents that are now that are, that are, that are losing their life mm-hmm. because they won't change the narrative of what they're talking about. You know, they want to continue to talk and live a life that that's not conducive to, to the new elevations that you're trying to go to. Yep. And, um, I think that's very powerful that you're not, you may not feel like you're at war, that you're in a war, but you're at war. Yep. In a war. Yeah. yeah, for for sure, man. You, you may not feel that you're at war because you, and that's the complicit, right? You, if you don't feel like you like, why, why do I got to work with a sense of urgency? Right. I'm not at war, but you in a war. <laughs> like it's all going on around you. Mm-hmm. Like people, people don't like, even if you want to go that, like there's a war taking place right now. Like, is it in America? No, like, in a physical war that's taking place right now. But if you bring it to our societies in the hood right now, like, I'm, we're losing people every day to the streets. So, like, I, I tell, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be blessed with a son, but it'll be some of the same things. Like, my father told me at a young age, and you take this in our context growing up, there's a, you in the wrong neighborhood. There's a war that's constantly going on. You power rule, you blood, you crit, like, like, so if you're walking around at that store, you don't, you're not alert. And you're walking through thinking that you are not, you are, and it's, and it's traumatic. But it's, it's the reality in which we, in which we, the conditions in which we survive it. But now that I know and I'm conscious, I can be more alert. I move differently. You know what I mean? I can say, hey, what up? How you doing, king? How you doing, queen? preventative mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so the same thing when i'm trying to put to get my young people to have protective knowledge and i say it all the time i want them to have the ability to be the guards at the gate to their mind like that's in a nutshell like yo you and i think you highlighted like if you're the guard at the gates of your mind that means you know that i have the ability to listen to some trap music but it doesn't impact my train of thinking because it doesn't let i don't let it get into my mind and and, and soak Versus somebody who's like on social media and they looking at the entertainment and they take it in as truth and it influences their uh, 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 actions, right? So if I'm a protective, I'm able to go and watch something as entertainment and to leave it as just that. It doesn't, it doesn't impact me. It doesn't influence me. Versus me reading something from the alchemist and it sticks. That's protective knowledge. You know what I mean? Mm. All right, last question. When all the school bells have rung 
There's nothing else to do. No more kids in the desk. No more schools to lead. No more districts to lead. As an educator, what do you want your legacy to be? Man, that's huge. But I want my legacy to be with uh, my my kids. Like my my kids that that, and I would say first my my biological kids, the kids that I raised, my my family, to know that you know they their father was a revolutionary, or did did what he felt was right for his his family, for his community, and for his people, right? Um, and like that 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 is really powerful for me. Um, and then for my students to just, I want this, them to be like, hey, they're telling their younger, say, hey, change the world, don't let the world change you. Like, I, I believe that if that leaves an impact on somebody, because that came from my father, came to me. And I think, like, that's how legacies continue to live, right? And, you know, that's, that's what it is. Man, well, we can't thank you enough for the time. We will hopefully, uh, we're definitely going to take you up uh, on that advice piece as we're uh, we're working on our first book together that we're hoping to have done by the summer. Um, oh. So we're trying to reach out to some friends that we have that have gone through the process. But um, and just to have you back on, man, to talk and just kind of. We, we wanted to talk kind of a, I mean, we did kind of talk about the big picture, but um, we need to, there were a few questions I wanted to ask you, but we'll have you on again. So for the people that want to follow you, connect with you, what's the best way that they can? Man, Instagram and Twitter, Facebook at Principal Raw. Uh, they tap into me there. You, that's the, that's the best way. Tap into me there. Don't email me. I bet I'm better with you DMing me than the email. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's, that's, that's where you can catch me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All right, Principal Raw, thank you so much for the time and coming back on the podcast, man. I appreciate you, Kings. Thanks.